How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 257 of X-Lapsed, where uh, I hope you have your scrolling fingers ready because we are venturing back into the Infinity Comics on Marvel Unlimited here. We are, uh, I I can't say we're done with the first arc of X-Men Unlimited, but uh, it is on hold, I guess. It does promise to be continued at some point in the future, which, uh, well, it gives us the opportunity to explore other characters and, well, um, you ever hear the, the, the phrase, like, monkey's paw um, wish, you know, <laughs> where you wish for something and then you get it, but it's not exactly the way you want it, or maybe it's exactly the way you don't want it. That might be what we have here. Um, we don't have a whole heck of a lot to talk about today, uh, despite the fact that, you know, we are covering two stories, as uh, is per usual on Unlimited Day, but, well, let's get into it. Let's hop on in. This is X-Men Unlimited, Volume 3, Number 5, had a September 2021 date, (laughs) no cover, but uh, we're going to say September 2021. The story is called X-Men Green, Chapter 1, Clean Up on Isle X, which, okay. Uh, Written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Emilio Lazo, colors Rachel Rosenberg, letters VCs Joe Sabino, edits Amaro B. White Sabolsky, appeared on the app on September 24th of 2021. Now, before we get into it, um, I probably don't have to remind you all that I have quite the complicated relationship with the X-Men color books. You know, uh, they are what finally chased me out of the, uh, out of X-Fandom after, you know, near three decades of reading these things just about every month. Uh, It was the blue and gold era of 2015, 2016, whenever that was, that finally made me actually, you know, unclick the uh, the X-Books on my DCBS pre-order. And so to see that we are uh, doing, you know, a callback to that, sorta, I kind of saw this as my opportunity to kind of make right, you know, with the color books. I saw this as my opportunity to kind of, I don't know, go into it with a, go into it with a, with optimism. And while green has, you know, very little to do with blue, gold, red, or black, I was still somewhat excited to get into it and maybe, I don't know, challenge myself a little bit here. I mean, it is called green, which... I mean, in modern parlance, we know exactly what we're in store for here, and that's not a good thing or a bad thing. But, uh, well, I mean, the question of subtlety is, uh, is one that will be at the forefront here. So uh, we, will, we will get into the story here and talk about subtlety. And if this was uh, a value-added story that uh, may have helped a, a cause of environmentalism, or if it was... a uh, more of a petulant story that talks down to its readership and uh, basically 
expects the worst out of everybody reading it. Um, I mean, our starring character, our feature character, is Nature Girl, so... I mean, if you followed Generation X Lapsed, the 12-part series here on the channel, you'll know that <laughs> Nature Girl ain't a great character. Um, I feel like in Generation X, uh, she was only there to stop us from enjoying the story too much. Like, the story would start to get good, and you'd be like, okay, I'm getting into this, I'm getting into the characters, and then Nature Girl would walk on screen to basically just vomit out rhetoric and um, make you not want to continue reading the book. It's it's a shame. That seemed to be her only role in that whole title. So, is it more of the same here? Spoiler alert? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's get into it. I'll stop vamping here, because, I mean, there ain't much to talk about. We open on a beach in Krakoa where Pyro is serenading a small gathering of mutants with his rendition of Kenny Rogers' Just Dropped In. We don't get a roll call page here, so I'll just uh, name these muties. Uh, we got Nature Girl, naturally, no pun intended, Cypher, Gold Balls, and, well, well that's it. Huh, at first glance, it looked like there were uh, a few more of them here, but I guess not. Oh well. Now, it's revealed here that uh, Krakoa has grown a living guitar tree to help with the music. Doug tells Pyro that Krakoa is quite the musical plant mutant thing. And so Pyro starts his next ditty, which is Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire, which, you know, Plant probably wouldn't appreciate that one all that much, but, uh, hey, maybe it's an allusion to Inferno. Which, by the way, is uh, currently on sale at your local comic shop, True Believer. Uh, now, the song is sadly interrupted when the gang notices a sea turtle swimming up to shore. Nature Girl immediately realizes that something is wrong, and uh, yes, there is in fact something wrong. The poor thing begins to pass away. Pyro asks Egg if this sort of thing happens a lot, and Egg's like, well, no, it happens more than a lot. Egg then proceeds to suggest that Earth itself might need to be put into the Resurrection Protocol. Oi. Um, the turtle passes, but as it does, it coughs up a bit of garbage that it had eaten. Nature Girl comforts the critter as it dies, while sort of kind of communing with it, feeling its loss, and uh, Doug tells her that, you know, he's sorry that she had to go through that. And Nature Girl's like, oh, no, no, I'm no longer sorry. Now I'm just angry. Oh, boy. Um, now, we get a good look at the bit of garbage that done choked the poor turtle, and it's a bit of, of a shopping bag from Owen's Grocery in Los Angeles. Now, Pyro cries about the poor turtle uh, while fully admitting that he's killed oodles of people before, but uh, seeing an animal in pain really gets under his skin. Which, I, I mean, could we, should we, should we even talk about the hypocrisy here? I mean, Pyro is a former terrorist. He's, he's a real piece of garbage, right? But doesn't really care about killing people, but when he sees an animal in pain, it's, a, it's, it's you know, a bridge too far. I feel like by putting this in here, um, it kind of distracts from the issue because you don't have to be one or the other. You don't have to be pro-human and anti-animal, nor do you have to be pro-animal and anti-human. I mean, there has to be a less extreme position to take, but, uh, well, that sort of subtlety is on break right now. We're not, uh, we're not doing that here. Anyway, Nature Girl stomps away through a Krakoan gateway, arriving moments later in fabulous Las Vegas. Then she, most well, continues to stomp her way into Owen's grocery. She hops on the PA and demands to see a manager. And, uh, the internet told me that she has the wrong hairstyle to properly demand a manager. Anyway, the manager does come out of the back room, warning that he could have her arrested for this, uh, which, I mean, for grabbing a microphone? 
I'm, I'm not too sure about that, but okay, you might, might be able to get her escorted out, but arrested, maybe not. Anyway, so now she has the manager's attention, and so Nature Girl produces the remnants of the bag that the turtle choked on. She asks the manager if he has any idea where she found it, and, I mean, duh, he doesn't. He has no idea nor interest. She fills him in on the fact that it had been lodged in the throat of a sea turtle, which, I mean, yeah, that sucks. But what is the manager of a crappy store going to do about that? Does he have, like, trackers on every uh, every bag? Or, or is he supposed to be, you know, converting away from plastic bags and just doing uh, reusables? I, I, don't, I don't know what the message is here. And the manager is just as confused. He's like, what am I supposed to do about that? But then he also takes it a step further and he mocks the turtle for being stupid. But that's really only to kind of evil the dude up as to facilitate the next story beat, which is... Okay, Nature Girl grabs a pair of scissors from off the counter and she jams them into the manager's throat. And no, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. Uh, this really happened here. And, you know, as he lay, hopefully dying... And I only say that because it would mean that Nature Girl would have to be hurled into the pit with Sabretooth, and then maybe we wouldn't have to read about her anymore. But as he lay, maybe dying, some other patrons, well, well, the only other patron in there screams, because, I mean, hey, just saw a attempt or a murder, who knows. From here we get a double scroll spread of, well, it's just the title of the story. Next thing we know, the police have swarmed the shop, and they're calling for the girl with the antlers to surrender herself. Because, you know, we gotta make sure that these human officers sound as ignorant as possible. And, you know, subtlety is for, is for idiots, after all. Anyway, the cops decide it's time to release Jaws, their canine companion, to flush the baddie out. And so they unleash the beast, who runs into Owen's grocery, and, you know, she, the, the dog communes with Nature Girl. She pets the pup, and seems to psychically fill him in on what happened with the sea turtle, and this breaks Jaws' doggy heart. Now, Nature Girl then hugs the dog and decides they gotta get. Well, she's gotta get. Jaws has to stay behind. Only Jaws won't stay behind. He insists that he come along with Nature Girl. Outside, the officers worry that something might have happened to Jaws. But just then, the entire force is swarmed by local birds, including pets like parrots. Which, of course, Nature Girl refers to as having been enslaved. Uh, sucks. Um, this kind of reads like it was written by a seventh grader who just found out what Earth Day is, you know. Or, or maybe they just caught their father like littering, and they're like, oh, oh, oh no, 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 can't have that. <laughs> and they go like completely the other direction. Now, amid the confusion, Nature Girl and Jaws make a break for it. Oh, and in the process, Jaws decides to change his name from Jaws to Freedom because puke. Um. We shift scenes over to Krakoa, where Professor X is learning all about this mess in Las Vegas, and he claims that they need to extract Nature Girl with the quickness, and he enlists the aid of... Who else? Wolverine. And I, I thought he was still dealing with AIM stuff, and I mean, he has his own book where he's fighting Solemn, and he's in X-Force where they're, they're fighting plant people. I, I guess he's got time to do this, too. Um, anyway, that is where we leave it. So, uh, what is there to say about this one? Um, I mean, I don't want to say it's X-Corp bad, but it wasn't very good. You know, I, I think I've made this uh, observation before. You know, with when you deal with like a lack of subtlety, and you really want to make a point, 
Um, you could do that a few different ways. You can either do that by trying to win hearts and minds, or you could do that via shaming. You know, you could do that where you make everyone feel so bad about things they may not have even done that they come over to your side out of shame and guilt. Like, no matter what you're doing that's for the cause that they are promoting, it's not good enough. There needs to be more. And that's kind of the, the nature girl character. You know, you can love animals, you can protect animals, you can do whatever you can to save animals. But you're still, I mean, if you own a goldfish, you're enslaving, you know? It's, it's one of those things where, like, and I, again, I think I've said this before, someone can make an argument and not be wrong, because Nature Girl isn't wrong, she's just an asshole. We have no reason to root her on. We have no reason to back her up. She's not a friendly person. She is pretty awful. And yes, her heart's in the right place. You know, protecting the environment, protecting the world, protecting animals, that's all very important stuff. And I feel like many of us out there do our part and we're not jerks about it. You know, if we recycle, we recycle. It's not something I'm going to plaster on a t-shirt and try to shame people for. You know, I, I can pretty much only count on myself for what I'm going to do or what I want done. You know, you can be the change you want to see, right? That's a, that's an old saying. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the only person whose uh, behaviors and activities you can control is yourself. And that's not to say that stories like this don't belong or shouldn't exist, because, sure, they, they should, they can, anything can. But the way in which the story was told, the lack of subtlety and the assumption that people need to be shamed, the people reading this need to be shamed, I feel like comic fans, by and large, are, are similar in a lot of ways to where this story is basically preaching to a choir, while at the same time shaming that choir, making you question yourself. So why would any of us want to inflict this sort of story onto ourselves? If you ask me, we wouldn't. Um, I don't feel like this is a story that was told the right way. This is a little too heavy-handed, and it, it feels as though I made the joke that it was, or made the observation, I can't say I make any jokes because I don't think anybody's laughing, but, uh, I made the observation that this felt like a, you know, a seventh grade essay. You know, someone who just figured out what Earth Day is or just took, got, just sat in on a lecture about environmentalism and just decided to throw away everything they thought before and totally adhere to what they were just told. You know, it's the first semester college student who just uh, figured out that maybe some of the things their parents believe in aren't, you know, exactly what they believe in. So they make sure that that first visit home, like Thanksgiving, is very, very awkward because all they're doing the entire time is trying to needle their family with like, ah, ah, ah you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm going to question this. It's petulant, it's smug, it's unpleasant, and so was this. But I think that's about all I have to say about this one. I can only hope that next time ends with uh, Nature Girl getting chucked in the hole. But I doubt that highly. Now, we also have our second feature today, and... Uh, it's a real short one. Um, it's Jeff, number five, September 2021. The story's called Holland Days. Like, you know, Hollandaise sauce, but also about a day in Holland. Uh, written by Kelly Thompson with art by Gurahiru. Edits Pile Go Wacka Sabalski appeared on the app September 24th of 2021. And there's really nothing to this story. Um, Jeff visits a tulip field in Holland. And, uh, well, over the course of a bunch of adorable panels, he runs through the field and gets covered in flowers. And that's it. Makes me worry that, uh, and I mean, I've got absolutely no reason to be worried, but I truly hope that they're not, you know, out of ideas for 
Jeff Adventures already. I mean, we're only five in. There is a sixth on the app, but I, I haven't checked it out. Uh, you guys know that I don't read ahead. You know, I don't jump ahead because I like to be surprised, and even though it's, you know, it's a Jeff story, so... I mean, I don't think I'd be spoiling anything by going ahead, but still, I like to uh, jot down my, my fresh impressions uh, as I, you know, take my notes and as I deliver these episodes. Now, I, I thought this was adorable, as per usual. I mean, it is Jeff, it is Gorihiru, it's, it's, you know, it's wonderful stuff to look at. Really just wasn't anything to it. You know, I don't know that this one, I don't know that any of them really lend themselves to analysis or interpretation. I'm probably doing the entire uh, series a great disservice in even attempting to, but uh, this one especially was just, uh, Jeff appears at Tulip Field, runs through Tulip Field, gets tulips on him, and uh, that's it. I really hope people aren't, like, counting the days to these uh, to these releases here, because I think you might be a little... Uh, Maybe not so much disappointed, but underwhelmed when this one finally comes through and you have about eight seconds of entertainment. I mean, it's adorable and I'm glad it exists, but yeah, like, like I said, this time out, just not a whole heck of a lot to it. But I think that's about all I have to say about uh, this installment of Jeff the Landshark. And uh, right now we're going to, uh, we're going to break tradition a little bit. Um, usually I wait until the first installment of Original Recipe X-Labs to come back in order to cover the uh, Marvel previews. Uh, we will be getting back into Original Recipe tomorrow, actually. I, I don't, I hate saying tomorrow. <laughs> I usually say next episode, but considering that this is a time-specific thing, Original Recipe X-Labs will be coming back early this month. I did get my package from DCBS already. Um, oddly, they used UPS this time instead of FedEx, and it came pretty damn quick. Very, very surprising. I, it's weird, we only got uh, three episodes of The Essentials in, in between the two uh, deliveries, or in between the two seasons, I guess, of Original Recipe. Anyway, I'm taking the scenic route here to say that today we will cover Marvel previews, since, I mean, X-Men Unlimited Day is a short one, so we'll fill the back half with uh, Marvel previews. So, this is Marvel previews. Issue 1 <laughs> rebooted again. Even Marvel previews can't keep numbers up because, I don't know, if, if, if a reader out there saw that this was Marvel previews issue number 25, would they be like, uh-oh, did I miss 24 issues of Marvel previews? Uh, I mean, and it's free. So, I mean, come on. Anyway, it's rebooted again. Uh, now, this is October for December 2021 shipping. And this is a pretty big month for the X-Books here. This is kind of the calm before the storm. A lot of books are coming to a conclusion, or an assumed conclusion, but we'll get into that as we go. Now, on the cover, we see Devil's Reign, a Marvel event, and uh, leave it to Chip Zosky to give us a Marvel event that doesn't appear to have anything to do with aliens. No alien invasion here. This looks street level, and... Uh, Wow. I mean, I didn't know Marvel could still do that. In any event, I might actually try this one. It looks like there are going to be a lot of tie-ins, so uh, maybe not, but we'll we'll see. We'll play it by ear. Uh, worth noting that there will be an, a Devil's Reign X-Men issue that'll be coming out in January. I don't know if it's a one-shot or a short mini, but uh, there is at least one issue of it coming out in January, which we will cover next time we cover uh, the solicits. Now, our back cover is a book called Timeless, and it's a Kang Thang, and that really doesn't interest me at all. Now, if we crack this thing open, uh, we can really see how Marvel prioritizes its X stuff here, because the first thing we see is Demon Days Rising Storm number one. And uh, that is about to clog up the shelves at your local comic shop and still somehow go to a fourth printing. 
Uh, this Peach Moloko, $5. And, uh, well, who's to say only one Demon Days uh, book a month is what we need? Because we also get Demon Days X-Men, the creator's cut, number one. Uh, I'm sure it's going to clog up those shelves just as good as uh, Rising Storm does. And also probably go to four or five printings. This is also Peach Momoko, and this one is $6. So you're paying an extra buck for liner notes, I guess. We keep working our way through here, and I mentioned a couple of uh, solicits ago that I was going to start picking up Amazing Spider-Man. Not for any kind of show or any sort of a creative endeavor, but Zeb Wells was taking it over, at least for the first arc, and I thought, hey, this is a pretty good time to uh, to give Spider-Man another shot. I... Spider-Man has never been one that I've collected, you know, it's not a completionist title for me. You know, I will come in and out of Amazing Spider-Man. When uh, Dan Slott was on there, I tried to be a completionist, and I and I was. I bought everything. I didn't read everything because it was just, it got to the point post-Superior Spider-Man where it wasn't very good. Um, but then when Nick Spencer came on, that dude is not my cup of tea, so I was just like, okay, time for me to tap out. I have a uh, stepping off, you know, opportunity here, so that's what I did. Now, with Amazing Spider-Man volume, whatever the hell it is, number 75, we're kind of shifting. We're shifting gears a bit here. It's going to several times a month, so it's not just once or twice a month. And, boy, I mean, here we are in the third month of this new chapter, and we get five issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Five. That is way too many issues of one book. I, I'm gonna try to keep up, but uh, five. I don't know that I can. I really don't know that I can. Uh, I mean, that has nothing to do with the show. Has nothing to do with the X Men. It's just something. It's like something that just caught me here. I kept turning pages in this uh, magazine, and it's like we're still on Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, we're still we're, more Amazing Spider-Man. It's, it's a lot. It really is. Um, next up, let's talk about some X-Men stuff here. We got Inferno number four. This is Hickman and Sheedy, $6. Our blurb reads, Jonathan Hickman's time on X-Men ends with the dramatic conclusion of one of the first and best mysteries he brought to the line. So this is the first of several final issues we're going to be covering today, and uh, certainly one I'm definitely looking forward to. I do have Inferno number one here in my hot little hands. I have not opened it. And I have yet to be spoiled on it. So, I mean, fingers crossed that I can make it until I think we're going to be covering that one next week. So, uh, hopefully I can keep myself uh, free from spoilers till then and uh, truly appreciate and receive this one the way it was meant to be. But again, Inferno number 4, the final issue. We're going to get that in December. We got Wastelanders Wolverine number 1. This is an old man Logan thing, and I think it's a uh, tie-in to a Marvel podcast. I'm only mentioning it for completionist's sake. Probably not something we need for the show. If anybody reads it and finds out differently, please, please let me know. Now, off the beaten path a little bit, but a book that we will need to cover, is The Death of Doctor Strange, X-Men Black Knight, number one. This is by Cy Spurrier and Bob Quinn, $5. And here, the X-Men attack London, and it's up to Dane What's-His-Face and his Excalibur to stop them or save them. And I'm talking about Excalibur as in the sword, not the uh, not the team that we, we deal with every once in a while. And I mean, this one is our way of X team, so I am definitely there for it. I have not been following the death of Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange is an, another one of those characters that I can sometimes get into, and other times I you know, just can't. I, I don't know what's going on with the death here. I don't know if this is a literal death. I don't know if this is something mystical. I, I really don't know. 
Hopefully this issue is written in such a way to catch us up if we're not following the main uh, Death of Doctor Strange series and wherever else Doctor Strange is appearing. We got X-Men Legends number 10, another completionist title, not going to be covered on the show. This one is written by Fabian Nicieza with art by Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens on an X-Book, that's pretty interesting. It says a $4 cover price, and the book looks to be Sinister-centric back in the 90s, for all we know, it might tie in with the Sassy Sinister, it might tie in with um, Bar Sinister and current year stuff, so we'll keep an eye on that. I'm, I'm definitely getting it as the completionist that I am, but whether or not we'll be covering it on the show will remain to be seen. Next up, we got Sword number 11, Ewing and Camagni, $4. The, uh, the blue, big blurb is The Final Frontier, and maybe the final issue, the, uh, the you know solicit is written in such a way where it feels like it could be a conclusion. I'm assuming that, as I record this, it's October 8th, so I'm guessing that within the next week and a half, two weeks, we're going to start to see some uh, some January stuff pop through online, so we'll get a better idea of what's going to remain you know, when the dust falls and when everything settles down then, but we may assume that this is a final issue. Ending with number 11 seems a little bit weird, you know, usually you get, you know, a rounder, you know, an even number, I should say, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, the cover here has Cable and Company punching aliens, which, I mean, nothing we haven't seen before. We got X-Men, The Trial of Magneto, 5 of 5. Williams, Wernick, Messina, $4. And uh, $4. So kudos to Marvel for not adding an extra buck to these issues, because we would have paid it. So uh, outside of number one, they've all been 4 bucks. Uh, we do see that it's wrapping up here. This is the other big miniseries event coming to an end in December really clearing the decks for uh, what's to come in 2022. The cover features Magneto and Wanda dancing. And uh, Magneto, it's worth noting, is wearing his black costume here. So not the white costume that we saw him dancing with Wanda in over on uh, wherever the hell that was, during the Hellfire Gala. Next up, we got X-Force number 26, Percy Gill, $4. And uh, some stuff was stolen from Krakoa, and X-Force have to track it down. Same as it ever was. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a super-secret organization behind this, and uh, maybe we'll finally find out what Zeno is and maybe get that arc moving forward, or maybe it's just more Russians. Who knows? Now, this issue promises to have ramifications that will continue for the next several issues of X-Force, and I guess that is to suggest that this book has survived the 2021 culling, so we may get an X-Force number 27. So how about that? Uh, the cover has Wolverine jumping into a volcano. Next up, we have another book that might have survived the culling. This is New Mutants number 24 by Ayala and Bayruth, $4. This one promises a new status quo for the New Mutants, so again, probably not canceled. Here we learn that the Shadow King storyline is over, and the, the way the solicit reads, this feels like one of those quiet in-between stories that uh, we all loved in the 90s when Scott Lobdell would... We're just having, you know, a down-home issue between huge events or between huge story arcs here. This feels like that. You know, we're going we're gonna to process the Shadow King stuff. We're going to gear up for what's to come. We're just going to take inventory here, so I'm definitely down for that. But the next arc promises to be all sorts of magical, which uh, kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> I don't. Let's not do Asgard. Let's not do Otherworld. Let's let's just stay on Krakoa, please. Um, now this one has a very cool cover. It's almost like an M.C. Escher painting with like a treehouse spin to it. There's like ladders going every which way. It's really really neat to look at. Next up, we got X-Men number six. Duggan and Laraz, four dollars. 
Whatever happened to Captain Krakoa? Huh, we get a new mutant hero, and it's one that Cyclops does not trust. The cover features the captain having his picture taken by a bunch of nitwits on their smartphones. And he is uh, wearing a mask, like a big visor, and either has plumes of red hair or red wing-like appendages sticking out from the sides of his head. This one seems really cool. I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out and seeing if there's uh, any sort of mystery to who this Captain Krakoa might be. Looks like it's going to be a good time. Speaking of good times, we got Hellions number 18, which is one of those good news, bad news situations, as well as Carlos and Segovia, $5. Hellions no more. Hmm, looks like this is the final issue. Um, looks like Orphan Maker had done broke that one Krakoan law that we've already seen a bunch of folks break and get away with it. Perhaps even in the uh, X-Men Unlimited story we just read right now. Uh, also, this one promises the return of a fan-favorite X character. Anybody have any guesses? I mean... I guess Madeline Pryor could be the one, but I don't know how, how much of a fan favorite she is. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Now, the cover has Orphan Maker and the rest of the Hellions on trial. They're all bound by their hands, and in the foreground, we see a bunch of thumbs downs. So, uh, looks like it's not going their way. Now, of course, I do hate that this series is ending, but I can't say that I'm not looking forward to reading this issue. Next up, we got Wolverine number 19, Percy and Fernandez, $4.00. And in it, Wolverine hunts that leviathan that he encountered and we all forgot about in an issue of X-Force like six months ago. That's about it. Uh, the cover has Wolverine swimming with the leviathan rising from underneath him. It's a Kubert cover. It looks really, really cool. You know, most of the Wolverine covers have been just outstanding. They've been really, really nice. Uh, next up, another final issue. Marauders number 27, Duggan and Lolly, $5. This is the final issue for now, as in, like, for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> um, let's get this out of the way. There's a bit of news here that uh, I wasn't I wasn't happy about, but now uh, well, let's get into it. In January, I think it's in January. Marvel will be <clears throat> stop me if you heard this one relaunching Marauders. Oh boy, and it's going to spin out of a an annual Marauders annual number one, and our new writer is Steve Orlando, and I mean. Um, even the people who post on in the Bleeding Cool comment section aren't big fans of Orlando, which really says something, doesn't it? Uh, now, the cover of this annual features Call Me Kate, Quanan, and Dakin, Dakin. So I guess this is kind of a uh, repository for some misfit toys spinning out of some recently canceled books. And if we were betting folks, we could probably put all of our chips on this book being where Somnus will eventually wind up as well. Anyway, the first volume is ending, and they're charging us an extra buck to experience it. And the cover is a generic team shot. Next up, Excalibur number 26, Howard in tow, $4. Maybe the final issue. It's written nebulously. Uh, Otherworld falls, and it's the twilight of an age. So, uh, gotta say, don't toy with my hot Marvel. <laughs> don't give me any false hope, please. Um, now, the cover has Betsy Britton knelt down with Saturnine stood behind her. We also have, uh, for the completionists, we have Phoenix Song Echo, 3 of 5. And again, I don't know how completionist this is nowadays, but this is by Roan House, Mareska, and Charles, $4. And in reading the solicit, it seems to me that they're really yanking all the Phoenix lore out of the X-Men here. Or maybe making it so there are several Phoenixes? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how I feel about this one. But uh, those are all the single issues we have to look forward to in December. But that's not where our story ends. We have collected editions to go into. We have a lot of perpetually imprint classic stories being reprinted and repackaged again. So uh, let's let's get into it here. 
We're going to start with X-Men Fall of the Mutants Omnibus Hardcover. This one includes New Mutants 55 through 61, Uncanny X-Men 220 through 227, X-Factor 18 through 26, Captain America 339, Daredevil 252, Fantastic Four 312, Incredible Hulk 336, 337, and 340, and Power Pack number 35. This is 824 pages for $100. Next, we have Marvel Masterworks Dazzler Volume 3. This one includes Dazzler issues 26 through 34, and Marvel graphic novel number 12, Dazzler the Movie. This one weighs in at 304 pages with a $75 price tag. Reign of X Volume 8 Anthology features Cable number 10, Children of the Atom number 3. I, I almost forgot Children of the Atom was a thing. Huh. Excalibur 20, X-Men 20, and Hellions 9 and 10. There's 160 pages for 18 bucks. Next, we have Hellions by Zeb Wells Volume 3. This one features Hellions 13 through 18. It's 172 pages with an $18 price tag. New Mutants by Ayala Volume 2. Is New Mutants number 19 through 24, 160 pages, also 18 bucks. Sword by Ewing, Volume 2, features Swords 7 through 11, 136 pages, $16. And finally, once again, we get Wolverine by Claremont and Miller. This time it's the deluxe edition, so if you have the other 85,000 editions, well, now it's 85,001. This collection features Wolverine 1 through 4 and Uncanny X-Men 172 through 173. So, yeah, they're selling this one to you again. And I'm pretty sure if you go into a comic book store and buy any X-Men comics, this book just, like, manifests itself on your bookshelf. Like, you just own it. Somehow. But that's not going to stop them from repackaging it every several months and uh, trying to sell it to you all over again. This time, again, it is the deluxe edition, so look out. But that, my friends, is Marvel Previews. That's what we have to look forward to in December. So we will be discussing these in January. So these are the first books we'll be looking at in 2022. Now that ties a bow on that portion of the show. How about we uh, take it home? We take it home now by uh, doing some shout-outs. Thanking the folks that engage with the social media posts here. And we actually have a pretty good turnout this time. I, I, you just never know what's going to hit and what's not going to hit. So uh, over on Twitter, I want to thank Billy D, Chris Bailey, Dave Schultz, 21st Century Boys, Jeremiah, Between the Pages Blog, Joe Crawford, Walt Neeland, Jesse DeYoung, Nico2512, Al Sedano, Pat Sampson, Bill at Spy Vinyl, Mark Jagger, Wayne Burroughs, Felicity Rivers, and Full Metal Moose. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Jesse DeYoung, Billy D, Pat Sampson, and Andrew Franklin. Thank you all so much for helping to boost the profile of this little show. Let's shift over to the patrons over at patreon.com slash xlabs. I'd like to thank Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, and Mark Jagger. Your support means the world to me, and I, uh, I actually have uh, several scripts at varying levels of completion ready to, uh, ready to perform and uh, put up on the Patreon as exclusive content, and uh, I hope you're all looking forward to that. Now, the, uh, the landscaper's on his way, so let me try to beat the, uh, the leaf blower here by going through plugs. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me for any reason, you can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at... 623-396-CHIRK You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com You can join us on Facebook, our group is 90s X-Men For the complete art audio archives, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com That's available anywhere you find your noise on the internet Finally, again, there is the Patreon That is patreon.com slash xlapsed Where you'll get tons 
well, maybe not tons, but plenty of exclusive and timed exclusive content. And uh, again, the support there, I can't even come up with the words to express how grateful I am for all of you. So thank you all so much. And while I'm thanking people, I want to thank you all for spending a little bit of your day with me today. And till next time, as always, I'll talk to you real soon. See ya.